Greetings, fellow visitors. This is Upgrade Terminal, a Star of Providence fancast. I'm Malachi. And I'm Nick. Welcome back to the facility. Today, we're joined by Horizon Sinister, the Untouchable. Horizon, thanks so much for coming on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. And thank you so much for receiving me here. Um, so I'm called the Untouchable, uh, <laughs> basically. And um, I am a big fan of shoot them ups and, uh, and video games of, that are very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a programmer. So that's also important because um, when I play games, I also try to understand how they work. And I understand you're also a bit of a pixel artist. Yes, also. Um, I like to... How can I say that? I like to take in everything I see when playing games and trying to reproduce it on a canvas. So it's something that I find very fun to do. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, it's great to, uh, to be with you. And to get to speak to you, we've definitely seen your exploits and 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 watched your videos, and it's been very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for the support. It's been um, it's been very eye opening to see how I talk with the community and everything um, after doing all those exploits. I didn't think I will get that far <laughs> uh, doing all those little challenges. <laughs> yeah. Well. Shall we move on to to what we're doing this week? Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, so this week I've been um, I've been making a little game. Um, so it's it's mostly schoolwork, but um, I had a lot of fun doing it. I had to do like uh, four gameplay loops. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And since I'm game design school, I have to think a lot about what I'm doing with all of that. So. Uh-huh. It's been a bit. The creative process is a bit hard, but uh, since I'm being since I'm a solo developer on this little project, um, I couldn't do a lot. So I have to. Do, so I had to be. Um, I had to put a little constraints on myself because I had to do it in a week. Mm. Um, so the the pitch is like you are a, you are a motorcycle in purgatory and you have to get out. That's the pitch. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Oh. It is. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, that you were in game design school. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been. I, I didn't think I would get in game design school to be honest, but um, mm-hmm. since I'm kind of good at it, I'm very happy to be in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, I'm glad you ended up there then. <laughs> and uh, just judging by the games I know you like, uh, I'm excited that you're making games. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Nick, what about you? What have you been up to this week? So uh, this year, or I should say in December last year, I was thinking of an idea for a project. And in my head, this idea popped up that was called January of Joy. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that every day for in January, for as long as I could, not necessarily every day, but as long as I could, I would... Pick out one song out of the many, many that I know that elicits some kind of joy in me or that makes me feel happy. And Mm -hmm. I would sort of highlight it and leave a little comment as to 
why it makes me happy and just sort of share it as I have in my Tumblr and my Blue Sky accounts. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, it's been fun to go through some of the catalog of music that I know and to be like, what of all of this makes me feel happy or something related to that? And to just go back, explore and highlight some of that. And even if I don't do all of January, I don't currently have songs for all of it. It's still like a fun little project. And I, it's something very spontaneous. I decided to just go in and just do it, do it and see where it takes me. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's nice. January is a good month to do something like that because it's often dark and cold. <laughs> Bring a little well, bit more joy. Well, it was also like, okay, the holidays are over. I have this time. And I still have this creative energy because I was still, you know, we were still having trouble making episodes because we just didn't have the time and energy to do it. Mm -hmm. But I still wanted to put my creative energy into something. So this very odd solo project is what came out of that. So do you have days mapped out or are you thinking of it every day? No, I have a few days mapped out. I have, I'm have like eight songs still planned nice. and I include a link to them so that people can listen along and they don't have to feel the same way about the songs that I do but it's just letting people see what kind of music brings me joy yeah I, I want to check this out I didn't know this yeah you, you I think you you liked or you saw one or two of the posts I've been making on Blue Sky. I did, but I didn't know the context, you know? Well, and so now that do. I know the context, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to go back and listen to that. But I, I love sharing music. I love mm-hmm. listening to songs that people share. Actually, the Discord has a jukebox channel. I like that people post songs there mm-hmm. because uh, especially if it's someone that you know, it, listening to music they like is kind of like a snapshot of them as a person in a very mm-hmm. small way, right? Like, oh, why do they like this? So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll check that out. All right. Sounds like something I might want to do eventually. Oh, feel free to steal my idea. <laughs> I will credit you. Fair. So what about you, Malachi? What have you been up to? Um, I've been reading a book that I bought a while ago that's been on my bookshelf. Finally excited to be reading it. It's called Babel by R.F. Kuang. And I, uh, when I was in university, I studied translation and interpretation. And I really loved my time there. And just learning about translation as, as an art, as a skill, um, as a career. But what's interesting about translators is they're often a footnote, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially with books, you know, usually a translator's name isn't even on the cover. We talked a lot about that when I was in school because it's kind of a shame, you know, Mm -hmm. translators get short shrift. It's like they do a lot of work. And uh, what I like about this book, Babel, it really focuses on translators and they're kind of the, the, let me, let me read a, from the jacket here, it just says it's a historical fantasy epic that grapples with student revolutions, colonial resistance, and the use of language and translation as the dominating tool of the British Empire. Ah, interesting. I think you told me this because, if I understand this correctly, the name Babel comes from the Tower of Babel, 
and mm-hmm, the yep. the translation is an act of treason against the curse inflicted upon them. Yeah, they there's a professor in the book that says translation is is an act of rebellion against God, which I thought was the most badass thing that's ever been said about <laughs> translation. <laughs> but what's really fascinating about the book is it's an alternate history, but uh, it's a sci-fi history or fantasy history, I guess, where there's a magic in the world that can only be harnessed by translators. And the way they do it is, uh, I don't want to get into specifics, but essentially, if you know the same word in two different languages, you picture both of those words in your mind at the same time. And what you're using, what you're harnessing is the untranslatable. So between, you know, there's never a direct translation of most words. There's different, there's this gray area between language where you can't actually capture mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah. a certain phrase. And when a translator pictures that in their mind, that's how they're able to to harness the man- magic of language and manifest it in the real world. It's just such a fascinating uh, concept. So anyway, I've, I've really been enjoying that. I really wish I could send this a copy of this book to all my professors, my, my translation teachers. Um, it's, uh, it's very, very cool. I highly recommend it. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, everyone in this call is bilingual, at least. Yeah. 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 So I guess we all kind of, to, to some extent, know what it's like that in between space, between languages, that kind of trying to take a thought that you know in one language and turn it into another. And this kind of middle ground of like, how do you take this idea and reshape it into something else? Yeah. Well, the author, she, uh, RF Kuang is also, I think, I don't think she's just bilingual. She knows a lot of languages, but it really comes through in the book. And that's what I think it makes it a more enjoyable read um, for someone who has studied translation or um, who is bilingual because you, you get a lot of what the main character is experiencing. So that's an amazing book. I, that sounds like something I would want to read. I think you would really like it. So Horizon, we have a lot of questions we want to ask you. We want to know how you became the untouchable. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can start by asking what sort of games did you play when you were growing up? Oh, that's that's very interesting because um, growing up, I was a a Nintendo kid. Mm. So most of the consoles I have, I have came from Nintendo. Um, The first one I played was the Nintendo DS. Ooh. And um, I remember that my first game on it was uh, New Super Mario Bros. Oh, I have that. <laughs> it's it's still one of the it's still a platformer I sometimes come back to because um, it's it's super fun and you can see that Nintendo was experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was also someone who liked like Zelda games. I, for example, there is uh, Spirit Tracks on the DS. Mm-hmm. That was something that I remember a lot because it was something um, I had. I have a lot of patience for this game because it's it's very unique with its mechanics. Um, when I played Nintendo DS games, I started to become bored of it, and uh, that's when um, I was looking into old uh, drawers and I found a GameCube in them. So it's when I first played with those old games that I realized that. Older games were harder than uh, than recent games. 
And it was very interesting to me because it was the beginning of a very big adventure with hard games I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, I like this. Yeah, if you started with Nintendo, Nintendo is known for being, you know, they're mar- they're targeting their games mainly towards families, children and families. Yes. And they, they don't want to make them too hard. Yeah, they're meant to be accessible and something that most people can uh, complete. So you have to go look elsewhere if you want something a little bit more challenging. Well, that's that's when we're talking about new Nintendo because like um, old Nintendo made Bio Sunshine, mm-hmm. which isn't a very easy game, let's say. Oh, I've um, never even heard of it. Mario Sunshine? Oh, Mario Sunshine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved... Yeah, you're right. I, I loved that game, actually. I played that on uh, on GameCube. Yeah, it has this it has this um, balance of uh, being uh, being hard and being easy. Like it's it, it's one of the few Mario games that really tries to challenge you with how you understand the movements of the of the character. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the same regard, that was one of my first experiences with uh, art games, and mm-hmm. I grew up playing harder and harder games um, after discovering that because. I, I felt something that I couldn't feel when playing easy games, you see. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is that feeling, if if you can expound on it a little bit? Oh, um, it's something like, it feels like completion. It feels like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And um, like you're, how can I say, like you're slaying a, a, a challenge, like you're climbing a mountain too. <laughs> and um, it's something that I think Bennett Fordy was talking about in Getting Over It. Because yeah, in this game he also had a lot of points where he said uh, challenges in games aren't aren't like real challenges because they're easy to um, to overcome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's why I'm pulled about hard challenges in game and why I'm I was pulled when growing up to uh, to hard games is because I could feel that I was progressing in that game, so it was very motivating for me. Hmm. Yeah, for me, from my own experience. It's a sense of accomplishment, a sense of pride, and a sense of mastery that the game has put this system in front of you that it can that has a lot of depth to it. And beating challenges is a way that you demonstrate that you know what, what the system is, how it works, and that you can do whatever you want to do or there is nothing that the game will put in front of you that you can't overcome. Yeah. You did say everything I was thinking about when talking about that, and it's it's something that's very interesting because I can't seem to find as much joy playing uh, a game that's more relaxed mm-hmm. uh, than playing a game that's very very tough. Tough. I mean, it it can be it can feel boring if you're playing a game that's too easy. You want something that's stimulating, that yeah. <laughs> really engages you and like. No, don't just don't just give it to me. Make me work for it. Make me prove that this is something that I can do. Exactly. So you must love Animal Crossing then, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, An- Animal Crossing, the, the most difficult thing in that is being shackled with debt in a video <laughs> game as you are in real life. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. So... <laughs> Given that you are, what's the word here, that you have a passion for difficult challenges, what would you say would be the first 
difficult challenge you completed that really sort of tested you. Yeah, that gave you that feeling that you were just talking about. Oh, as in like um, a challenge that was self-imposed or a challenge that was just um, on uh, the road? Whichever one you want to, to talk about. Eh, I might talk about both. So okay, I, I think the first difficult challenge that I didn't self-impose was um, completing a game called Trauma Center for the DS. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this one. It's a very, very, very difficult game about being a surgeon that can uh, slow down time. Mm-hmm. Oh. And this game doesn't pull its punches. It's it's very, very hard. It way, you will lose multiple time before uh, completing, uh, completing an operation. And mm-hmm. the, de- the, thing, the thing that's funny is that the devs are very aware of this fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit like... Ghost and, it's a bit like uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, where the devs know they are making a difficult game, so they are making the most heinous challenges they can <laughs> come up with. Yeah. Um, so completing completing that game was one of my first challenges. But the first challenge that I self-imposed was completing Super New Super Mario Bros. without dying once. Ooh. Oh wow! So that was pretty early on then. Yeah, I I wanted to I wanted to to seek. That same feeling I had when completing hard game and put it in a easier game, because it's what's good with easy games is that you can self-impose a lot of challenges to make it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, then it it became even more than that because once I completed that, I asked, I asked myself, can I do it without taking damage? Mm-hmm. And I tried that too. So <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. Some games that I enjoy and admire the most are games whose mechanics and systems allow for players to do all kinds of runs and challenges among them. Because then you can see players trying to be creative about, well, how can I make this more interesting? How can I keep proving myself further? And the game gives you a place where you can come up with these ideas. Yeah, and that's something I've been seeing with the Star Providence community. Mm-hmm. So, where they uh, they created their, they created challenges to impose to themselves, like uh, for example, the all super bosses run. Mm-hmm. Then there's monolimp. Then there's yeah. speed runs, which you just do it as fast as you can. And there you can go for exalted. You can go for um over half a million in score. You there's what... go ahead. So, so what's interesting with those challenges is that some of them are also made by the devs, where mm-hmm. the devs were very aware of that someone will try to complete it without getting weapons when you see mm-hmm. the T-Shooter achievement, for example. Mm-hmm. And also the same with uh, Power Internal, which is win with no upgrades. So, yeah. of course, then people started doing winning with no upgrades and no weapons. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I think we both have an appreciation for games where even if they don't come with a lot of pre-made difficult challenges, they allow players to come up with their own categories of challenges. Yep. And speaking of uh, Star of Providence, how did you first come across this game or learn about it? Or maybe at the time it was still called Monolith? So it was at the time it was still called Monolith. And I remember that 
it was in my period where I was playing a lot of roguelikes and a lot of the roguelikes. Mm-hmm. So I was searching for something that could challenge a bit my reflexive change, um, change the way I play game normally. So the first roguelike I've played was Enter the Gungeon, and I asked myself, Ooh. I do wish something was faster than that. I, I do wish it was a game that was faster, that was more fun, that has a more difficult patterns. And mm-hmm. then I came across Monolith by searching for those bullet hell games. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I got very interesting in like the trailers it shows. I got I got into videos to see what Monolith was about. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I have some so boss fights that were very, very interesting and that's what got me into it. I wanted to, to fight those bosses. I wanted to, to seek the secrets of the facility. So what what appealed to you? The thing that pulled you in was the promise of the challenge that it gave you. Exactly, but there was also the aesthetic and the soundtrack that was that were very very like interesting to me. It pulled me toward that game, and um, it's something that I like a lot because it, the pixelated aesthetic of this game remi- reminded me of other pixelated game I played, which were very hard. So of course I wanted to go toward that game because. Yes, I. The challenge did pull me to Reddit. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of that before. But that uh, you know, the graphics in and of themselves can kind of signal that it's a very like a certain kind of game with a certain kind of difficulty. But that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's something that's it's something that's about user experience with the world mm-hmm. around them, and it all it almost always uh, retranscribes itself in, itself in products we we use. So. That's something mm-hmm. I got with Monolis. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you have spent a lot of time with the game, um, what aspects of Star Providence do you appreciate the most? Um, that's a very good question because I, I could cite a lot of those. Um, so, well, you're when... you're in good company then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the first the first aspect of the games that before I tried to do all those uh, six challenges and uh, cool tricks <laughs> mm-hmm. um, was um, I, I loved exploring the facility and I loved the ambience of the ambience of the game. Mm-hmm. It has a very, it had a very good ambience and it won- and it compelled me to try to explore more and more of the facility while completing uh, hard challenges while fight while fighting um, uh, interesting bosses secret bosses. And the fact that there were all the secrets made me think there is something behind every door, there is something behind every secret passage, and I had to discover it. Yeah. Uh, there is also the gameplay of the game. It's very fast-paced, and um, mm-hmm. it always make it, it makes you always want to see the next room to to get the next upgrade. And the upgrades are also very interesting because they change the way you play the game up mm-hmm. a lot. As something I liked a lot, it's that the game is allows you to be very creative with how you approach it, mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorite aspects because I can do whatever I want with the rules the game gave me. Mm-hmm. I can. Uh, it's not like um, Isaac, where <laughs> in in Isaac, in the beginning of Isaac, you you are basically uh, a slave to Aaron Jesus. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what item is going to make you better. Whereas Star of Providence was made um, in the intent of in, in, in an intent that I think was to let the player discover an experience with a lot of things, and it's also and like Isaac, a very very fair game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think pure 
well, mostly Pure, sometimes Juan and sometimes Alex have talked about what their philosophy of game design is. And they are definitely very aware of things like Isaac and Enter the Gungeon and others in the genre. And they have their own ideas of what a game should be like and you know what what the what should fairness look like what what kind of randomness should be present so i think it's fair to say that their philosophy aligns very well with your own as to what the game should be like hmm. do you have any favorite aspects of the game like favorite boss favorite weapon favorite songs favorite what have you oh of course <laughs> One of my favorite songs might be um, uh, the song when you fight Overlord, which is a very memorable song. Notably because like it, it begins very slowly and then you get right into the action. And that's something I like a lot with this song. Um, and, one, and my favorite boss might be the, uh, the boss gauntlet where you fight uh, the Warden and then Chaos God and then Prisoner. That's, that's like the most maybe... The most me- the most epic moment of the game. You fight three <laughs> boss. You fight three boss in one in one big fight, and you can and every time you 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 tell yourself it can't be even it can be even more intense than that, and it gets more intense. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> that, that's my that's what that might be my favorite part of uh, Star Providence. Um, the boss fights are also very very creative. That's that's something that I um, that I've been looking at. Uh, and try to, to to get ideas from that, because by inspiring myself from uh, games from other games, I can try to do my own games. Mm-hmm. And seeing how they were creative with the boss fights helped me to be even more creative myself and try to come up with original ideas that were not uh, made in fight. I am pretty sure that uh, T4 Warden is also inspired by uh, Toho uh, with the mechanics of stopping time, and that that's also that that discovery when. The warden stop time was a very, very intimidating, and at the same, at the same time, it was exhilarating. Mm-hmm. That's something I couldn't find in other games. The, this game could surprise me at any moment. That's what that was my favorite thing of, about it. Yeah, I remember uh, when fighting warden, and when he starts stopping time, it's like, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> what is this trauma center for the Nintendo DS? <laughs> <laughs> So, as we alluded to at the start, Horizon the Untouchable got that name because he would start defeating bosses in mild without taking hits and without Mm -hmm. using bombs Mm -hmm. and then later trying to do that with full runs. They do take hits, but they're still mild, no bombs and no weapons and none of that. Like, what motivated you to take on these kinds of challenges and to like, what, what's your mentality or how do you approach such a challenge like this? Honestly, the first time I did a challenge was that because it was because I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I asked myself if it was, if the bombs were that essential when fighting a boss because they were designed without the use of bombs, I think. Mm-hmm. The bombs are more something you use when you need help, but I don't need help. <laughs> so I tried to... Uh, when using using bombs in itself, the first time I played the game was like um, using blanks in Tosu Gunjana. I was telling myself, it feels, like, it feels a bit like cheating. What if I, it, what if I don't use them? <laughs> so your bombs are a crutch to you. You're like, get out of here. 
I don't need these yeah. things. They're weighing me down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would still use a bomb if I am like in critical condition with one HP, but only if I mm-hmm. have one HP. That's when I'm when I get into critical conditions again. That's when I, I become aware that bombs exist. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. I don't think of them before that. <laughs> yeah. See, the difference is for me, because I'm the guy who does speedruns, I'm used to thinking of bombs as this tool that if I use it strategically, allows me to de- make encounters even faster or explore the rooms even faster. Yeah. And I like this contrast with you. They're like, no, I just forget they exist until I, <laughs> until I have to remember them. <laughs> In fact, it's illogic for me to not use them, but I, I don't like using them. You see, it's um, it's more like trying to find to to get out of the situation without confronting it. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit annoying for me. And that's there was also something else with the bosses is that um, I love the attacks and I love the bosses in themselves. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to um, to find a way. To, to, to seek a pattern in how they attack so that uh, next time I try I encode and I encounter them I can do it flawlessly because mm-hmm. that's something that brings me a lot of joy to do things perfect and to mm-hmm. um, and to, to flawless a boss fight so mostly um, the reason why I was fighting bosses without bombs is because one day I asked myself what if I could complete the entirety of the game without using bombs and without taking damage mm-hmm. and for that, I needed to train on the super bosses because um, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to seek those bosses, do the entire game without taking damage and seek those bosses. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I did the boss without using bombs is more like training for that big run I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really, you just asked yourself the same question that you asked yourself all those years ago with New Super Mario Brothers. Exactly. That's exactly the same. And it's... um. I'm I'm starting to see a pattern here I doesn't like. <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> There's patterns everywhere. <laughs> you know the it, it is interesting that uh, you know thinking about getting to know the bosses patterns. I mean, you really do get to know those bosses in a way that a lot of people don't. You know, yeah. if, if you know them so well, you're probably you're going to start seeing those patterns in your sleep. <laughs> I mean. The- Every so often, like, you know, one of the players who's been around for a while will show off some technique or some strategy or what have you. And a lot of people will be like, what? You can do that? The boss works that way? And it's like, yeah. yeah it's always like, worked that way. Yeah, that's, that's like what you what you did with... Um, how, how is called this? How is this boss called? Guardian, I think? Guardian, yes. There is Guardian, a yeah. there is a safe spot that if you stand just below him a little bit to the left, the first at- you can stay completely still and his first attack will do no damage. All of the bullets will miss you. I, I was absolutely bamboozled when I saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's an um a lot of and the reason I'm doing that as well is because I, I want to, to share my knowledge of those bosses with other people so that I think can complete the game um, with a uh, a bit more fa- with how can I say it? in French it's, it's facilitated it's facilitated but um with ease I, I think is the term with with ease thank you thank you very much um and that's why I've been working on a little Steam guide for the game mm-hmm. right after that because um not only I had my own ideas of what the boss attacks were referencing and what they they meant mm-hmm. 
and I wanted to show that too. But I also wanted to 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 to, to show the patterns and uh, and tell to the player you can do that. Th- that makes it easier than just dodging in every way possible. You can just mm-hmm. do that little movement and it's done. It, it's just like the prisoner boss fight where ju- you, there is one attack that's very intimidating, but you just have to like tap mm-hmm. the same input for a very short time, and it's very easy to dodge. forgot about that steam guide we should have mentioned that but yeah that is an excellent guide and i imagine that's going to help a lot of people thank you like to even more in depth than the wiki this is just a full-on proper guide because i and i have seen this a lot of newer players when they see these big bullet patterns they think oh i have to do all sorts of crazy movements and go over here and go over there and it's like no 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 no. move a little bit then a little bit and you're fine like, like the boss looks scary, but the actual path through the bullets is very simple and relatively small if you know the patterns very well. Yep. Sometimes I see the attacks imprinted, imprinted into my retinas. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Tetris effect, but with Star of Providence. <laughs> yeah, your your guide will probably help a lot of people quit bombs. Mm-hmm. I think the the only <laughs> the, the, there are some attacks that I cannot explain because they're just that hard to dodge uh, perfectly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one example of this might be one of uh, Monolith's attack, where mm-hmm. um, it's it's his first attack in the third phase. Ah uh, yeah. Third attack. It's a third attack where it, it shoots a lot of blue spikes uh, within red bullet weight. That's a very really hard attack to dodge because you have to dodge diagonally, but you also have to be aware of like red projectiles coming in between the, the space where you can dodge. So most of the time it's going to be frame-perfect dodging. And it's uh, very difficult to explain that to a player because um, I have to do whole sort of... Uh, well, I have to use MS Paint to show <laughs> what I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's difficult to put it into words. The... the subtle movements and all the things you have to keep in your head to dodge it. So Horizon, how does it feel to be officially recognized as the untouchable now? Honestly, I felt pretty funny. (laughs) Um, um, It was, I I didn't, I didn't feel like I deserved that title because I didn't complete the game without getting hit for the moment. But you still beat all of the beat most of the hard bosses in the mirror that way, which already is something that almost nobody had ever done, and definitely not all of them like that. Yeah, because it's base damage; it takes a long time. You know, you, that's that's <laughs> yeah. even more difficult. You have to be very patient. You have to be yes, like, <laughs> very methodical about it. Yeah, and I do not have the patience. My thing is, I want to kill everything as fast as possible. I don't have the patience to dodge them like that for that long. <laughs> um, uh, it felt no, it feels it just feels good mm-hmm. because I know that when I give a tip to someone, uh, it's not a bad tip because I know how the bosses work and uh, I've been quite recognized as the um, quote unquote expert about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of like me and being the fast player, the one who goes fast and like people 
ex- kind of think of me as like, oh, I know all of the tips and tricks. And to some extent, like, I don't know as much as you think I do, but I'm flattered <laughs> you think that of me. Yep, and I'm just the guy that likes crawlers. <laughs> <laughs> and poetry. <laughs> no, I, I, I think going forward, though, Horizon, when someone's like, hey, how do I dodge this boss attack? People are going to either ping you or link to your Steam guide. So, If a new player looks at the guide mm-hmm. and uh, tells himself that he under- understands how it works, I know I did my job right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I suspect that is exactly what will happen. I hope so. I still need to refund some uh, some of the hard bosses, but uh, after one, once I'm finished with uh, the super bosses, I'm going to to explain the normal bosses that the player face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that's also a bit overlooked is that uh, the more you perform well with a normal boss, the better you're going to be in the next uh, stage, because you'll have more HP, more resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind, it kind of snowballs in that the better you do at every room and every encounter, the more you have for the next one, and then the next one, and the next one, it carries over. Exactly, yeah. So Horizon, after so much time playing the game and, and getting to know the bosses as well as you do, do you have any constructive criticisms you'd like to make so the game can hopefully improve in the future? Mm, add a retry button in the mirror, please. <laughs> Um, fair fair because um well getting out when you get hit like trying to do a challenge and you still have nice hp and you want to get out of the mirror well it's faster to quit the game go back on the menu start then go back on the mirrors and start the boss again than to uh, let yourself uh, get killed by the bullets Mm. um and what could be very cool with the mirror is adding maybe a filter option to filter through floor one floor two floor three and floor uh, four bosses mm-hmm. so that you can uh, find them more easily maybe they're already grouped the floor one floor two floor three and floor four they're... yeah but you do have to scroll a lot to find the one bosses you're looking for that's fair. i'm nitpicking here but um it's that's uh... fine that's, that's what this is for <laughs> yeah you've obviously uh... spent a lot of time in the mirror <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's why I want the mirror to be like the, one of the most pleasant experiences I want to have with user interface. Yeah. So, as you've said, you're still trying to get the the untouchable run to beat the entire game without taking a hit and without using bombs. You're well on yeah. your way, but you're not quite finished. Do you have any plans or ideas for any other types of challenges or types of runs or things you'd like to do in the game? Oh yes, of course. So, um, I mean, one of the one of the when I say I want to finish a game without getting shit, I mean like uh, starting with a fresh save. That's Ooh. the hard part. You start with a fresh save, and you want to do the whole game without getting hit. Wow. Um, that doesn't mean I would go for that. Does not mean I will go for lowest percent with that run. Mm-hmm. So I'll have okay. to think a lot with. Uh, I'll have to be very. I have to be very uh, strategic about what upgrades, what uh, weapons I want to unlock during those runs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you're planning mm. a whole save file for the that's game. Exact. That's exact. Yes, that's exact. That's, um, I think that will be more interesting because 
it's something that I'll have to think about a lot more than just not getting hit and not getting upgraded or weapons. Wow, okay then. That's ambitious. <laughs> but I like I, that. I, I think it's, it's possible. I do think it's possible. It, it is definitely theoretically possible, and if anyone can pull it off, it's you. <laughs> I'll try to. The uh, ambidextrous challenge, I hope that that one will happen as well. That's been that's on the list. That's okay, the list good. Yes, yeah, sw- swapping from your right to left hand uh, as you go through each room. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't have a camera to in my hands, but uh, I might get onto that. You can wear some cool some cool gloves or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and the gloves say "untouchable." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're uh, they're Horizon Sinister uh, official merch. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have any hopes or wishes for the future of the game in the community oh, horizon yeah yeah of course um one of the things that was a bit uh underwhelming from the for me was that the game isn't very known mm. and um I do hope that with big mods uh, reveal of um, with, with big mods uh, trailer of uh, Star Providence, there's mm-hmm. going to be more people coming and more people that I can um, that live in the how can I say that that can give that I can teach to um, and tell them how to uh, like slay um, a challenge that's been on the way uh, for too long. Uh, I do hope too that um, with a bigger community, we can do more, uh, more uh, community-centered challenges. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, what we did talk about sprint mm-hmm. or monorail. Uh, it's sprint. Uh, just it's just sprint. No, now. it's just sprint. Okay. Um, <laughs> and like I, I remember doing some races with uh, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, with and it was something that was very fun, and I I absolutely want to do that with a bigger community with a with a world contest around it. And one of the one of the wish I have for the games also to get mod support. That's something I'm looking forward to, because it's going to allow for a lot of creativity from the community too. Yeah, as far as sprint goes, I am still definitely trying to make things happen. I am talking with uh, Ronkley, another member of Sprint, so we can have a Sprint bot which can help automate some casual races and have those so that it's just easier to set mm-hmm. things up. I still want to have casual races occasionally every so often just because it's fun, very much so. And I know that myself and another player called Dilex, we have discussed a little bit about coming up with um, types of challenges or creative ideas for it. So all of those things are there. It's just the community is unfortunately still too small to do any big projects right now. Yep. And that's that's why I'm that's why I, I do want to see a bigger community with Big Mod Reveal. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. It's going to allow for much more fun challenges to do between uh, players. Yeah. I guess we've been talking a lot about, you know, your your videos and your challenges where can people find you like what 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 sites or accounts of yours would you like to plug or advertise mm, well i have quite a lot of 
since I mean the the main accounts where I go, where people are going to find my videos of me noting bosses is going to be like uh, Horizon Sinister uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the for the game I make for the games I make, it's going to be on H.io. Uh, and I also have a Twitch channel for some of the. There are some days where we'll maybe stream um, Star Providence. My, my mm-hmm. schedule is still very much um, uneven, let's say. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you. I, I stream when I stream, and that's all. I don't have a day or anything. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we'll, we will link to uh, to your Twitch and YouTube and your your itch page in the show description. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to say or discuss, Horizon? Any particular topics that you feel we haven't touched? Mm, well, there's something I want to say in that um, I want to thank you both for having me here. Um, oh. It's been it's been a it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking with uh, you too. Hmm, likewise. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a delight. Thank you so much, Horizon. <laughs> and I also want to uh, to to thank the community of Star Providence for receiving me in first place when I came on the, onto the Discord, because mm-hmm. um, it it also motivated me and pushed me towards the challenges of the game and trying to to complete it. If I complete them. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty awesome community. It's very kind of you, Horizon. I'm very much looking forward to the games that you're going to create. Me too. <laughs> I want to play this motorcycle. Yeah, please don't hesitate to share them on the on the Discord. You know, I I do that. I think I'll I'll share them. Thanks so much for listening to our Star Providence fan cast. Big thanks to Garoslaw for allowing us to use his music and sound effects. Be sure to check out all of the Star of Providence soundtracks on Garo's Bandcamp page the base game soundtrack, the Relics of the Past soundtrack, and the 5th Anniversary Edition soundtrack. And thanks again to Horizon Sinister for being on the show. Definitely check out his stuff. Again, links in the description. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, you can reach out to us on Discord. We'll post the server link in the show description as well. And there you will find fellow pilots to talk with and discuss the show. Thanks for listening. We'll hope you'll join us next time. This is what you came for, isn't it? So be it.